We're going to continue and conclude tonight our series uh, entitled Sensation. Turn your Bibles, if you would, to Genesis 4, uh, verse 7. Um, as you turn in there, I know you saw it on the screens, but I want to encourage you, I think in your uh, program um, or at the back, you can grab a bookmark. And on that bookmark, um, we're trying to think of the best way just to keep reminding people of all the things that are going on this summer. And so you can just put that thing, whatever you read most, whether it's your Lucky Magazine or your Bible, all right? Uh, you can just take that bookmark and put it wherever. Uh, so that reminds you of all the great things that are happening. I have no idea what that is. That is awesome. System. Um, but uh, just to remind you of all the, all the things that are happening this summer, I'm so excited about this summer because we're going to do a lot of fun things. Last summer, if you were with us, uh, you know it was all about fun and family. It's going to be the same way this summer. Uh, we're going to do a lot of things together as family, a lot of things that are just going to be fun and uh, just change things up. So I'm excited uh, about that. Um, so grab one of those and remind yourself often. I'm really excited about, and it's probably because my daughters are excited about it at the camp. How do you guys love the camp? If you don't, just raise your hand and be like, oh, yeah, I love it, right? Um, just tell my daughters that you love the camp because they're excited about going camping, but they're really excited that their church family is coming along as well, as many as you can. So it's going to be a fun time. Genesis 4, verse 7, um, as we uh, conclude our series on sensation tonight. It says this. It says, if you do well, will you not be accepted? If you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you but you must rule over it. There's something crouching at the door. It's called sin. It's desirous for you. Uh, but the Bible tonight is encouraging us saying, hey, look, you should rule over it. Now, we talked about this already, um, that God is not into taunting people. Okay, God is not into mocking people. If he says that you should rule over it, that tells us this. We can rule over it. So it doesn't matter what's coming against you tonight. It doesn't matter what desire might be inside of you that's plaguing you. I want you to know something tonight. You can rule over it by the grace of Jesus Christ. Now turn your Bibles. I'm going to read several different scriptures. And if you can keep up, you can flip there or you can look at the screens. We're going to read Matthew chapter 3, 1 and 2. And we're going to read Matthew 4, 17. And then we're going to read Acts 2, 38. You're like, my gosh, that's a lot of Bible. I know you're in church. All right. Okay. And then we're going to read Acts 3, 19 and 20. And uh, I'm going to see if you guys can kind of catch the theme uh, for tonight. Matthew 3, 1 and 2 says, In those days... John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, verse 2, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching and he preached one thing. What was it? Repent, okay, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Matthew 4, uh, verse 17, and it says this, from that time, and this is after Jesus was baptized and he went into the wilderness, Tested for 40 days, came out, passed the test, and it says this, from that time, once he passed that test, once he went through those 40 days, from that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Does this sound familiar? Okay. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Acts 2, verse 38. And let me just rewind to verse 36. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for uh, certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Verse 37, now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Well, what's to be done? What must we do? Peter responded, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
repent. Now, one last verse, Acts 3, 19, 20. Have you guys caught the question yet? We did it. Oh, okay. Verse 19, chapter 3, it says, but, but God foretold by the mouth of all, I'm sorry, verse 19, repent, therefore, and turn again. I want you to catch this next part. That your sins may be blotted How? Why, why repent? Why, why repent? Here it is. So that your sins may be blotted out. But it gets really good. It doesn't stop there. That times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. And that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus. And I want to continue on verse 21. Whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Repent. Why? So that your sins can be blotted out. But it doesn't stop there. It says, so that times of refreshing can come by the presence of the Lord. But it doesn't stop there. It goes on to say, so that he can restore all the things that he promised to us by the prophets of old. Why repent? I'll tell you why to repent. I'll tell you why to get sin out of your life. Because, man, it blots out. When you repent, it blots out sin. Times of refreshing come, and things are restored to you. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word tonight. God, we thank you that your word is living and active and sharp to me, two-edged sword. God, I pray that in the next few moments that we have together, that, God, you would just speak to us from your word. God, we understand that, Lord, there was that time when we came to you, Lord, when we were sinners, that actually you revealed yourself to us. And we, we said we love you because you first loved us. God, many of us sitting here tonight remember that moment, remember that place, remember that time when you first came into our lives. But God, I thank you that the journey is not over, that God, tonight, if, if there be things inside of us that we need to repent of, God, maybe it's been a while since we felt the refreshing of your presence and maybe it's because we need to look in the mirror and see some things that we need to repent of so that a time of refreshing can come and god i pray that tonight as we look at your word that you reveal those things to us god you would do your part you would just come to refresh and restore in jesus name amen amen uh, we started a series about four weeks ago now uh talking uh from sensation and obviously, sensation is not a real word. It's a word that we, we, we came up with. Um, but it kind of goes back to sensation. And, and you know, you, you, we all have a sensitive spot. And when that sensitive spot gets touched, there's a sensation, all right? We all have probably a ticklish spot. I know some of you in here, and I tell my kids all the time I'm not ticklish and, uh, because I don't want them to tickle me, all right? And uh, but man, when they find that spot on my foot, they start to tickle it, and it's sensitive. And all of a sudden now, their, their tickleability, I don't know if that's a word either, but their tickleability all of a sudden starts to touch the sensitive spot on me, and what, what happens is I laugh, okay? Well, I believe the same thing is true uh, when it comes to sin, because the Bible says this, that we were all born into iniquity, all right? Oh, wow, that thing's not very, very strong. We're having a lot of technical difficulties tonight. Forgive us. We'll get it right. The Bible says we were all born into iniquity. Meaning this, that, that when we were born, we all have a bent towards something. There's a desire for something inside of us, all right? Now, the enemy doesn't know what that desire is, just like my girls don't know where my tickler spot is because I'm not telling them, okay? But what happens is, is they start to tickle me, and finally they find that spot on my foot, and now they know where my tickler spot is, and, and I begin to laugh every time they tickle it, okay? The same is true when it comes to our life. That there's an iniquity inside of us, there's a bent inside of us, there's something that can pull on us, and the enemy doesn't know what that is. So what does he do? He just starts throwing things at us and throwing things at us until, bam, he finds that thing in our life, okay? James talks about this, that when temptation meets desire, and all of a sudden you give in to that temptation, now sin is conceived, it's born inside of us, okay? 
So that, that's sensation. We have a sensitive spot. When that thing is touched, then therefore sin is, is birthed in our life. James, as we talked about it uh, in James, that we see this, that we see that sin, if it's not taken care of, it begins to grow. And when it's full grown, it brings forth what? Death. It brings forth death. So we've been talking about this. We, we talked about on our first time together, we talked about what sin is. Okay? And we looked at those five different things that the Bible says, this is sin. Okay? The thought of foolishness is sin. Knowing to do good and not doing good is sin. All unrighteousness is sin. Okay? And, and so we went through all those things. We talked about what sin is. Uh, we then begin to look about uh, this, how sin is birthed in our lives. And that came right out of James. Okay? And so we, we see what sin is. We see how sin is birthed in our lives. Last week we talked about this. We talked about what happens when sin is in our lives. Why do we want to overcome sin? When sin is in our lives, it stops the life flow of God into us, and it stops the life flow of God out of us to others. All right? So we can no longer, when sin is in our life, because God is holy, we're not. We can't receive the life flow of God. And if we don't have the life flow of God in us, we have nothing to give out. And it literally begins to stop the life flow into other people. And so we want to defeat sin. Now, it would be tragic if we just stopped the series there. Okay? Okay, sin is bad. You have it in you. This is how it happens. Good luck. Okay. That would be that would be kind of a bummer. All right. And because God is a God of restoration, God is a God of hope, God is a God of mercy. Thank God that when we read our Bible, it doesn't stop there. I love the Bible for so many reasons, but one of the reasons I love the Bible is because it never ends in a tragic way. Okay? There's always a God of hope. There's always a God of restoration. There's always a God of forgiveness. Now, if you don't receive that forgiveness, yes, the wages of sin is death. And that's tragic. Okay? But man, when you read the stories and you see God in the Bible, the same God that exists today, and I read it and I'm just like, man, there's hope for me. Man, there, there, there's, there's actually, man, I can actually, you know, you know, you know, overcome this thing. Are you with me tonight? Okay. And I love reading the Bible because, man, God is a God. We saw it tonight in Acts chapter 3 as we read it. God is a God that wants to restore each and every one of us. That's the whole point of the Bible. That's the whole point of the gospel. Ladies and gentlemen, that's the whole point of church. Church is not, does not exist so that we can tell people how bad they are. Churches exist so we can tell people how good life is when God's in your life. Okay? And that's why churches exist, okay? The same thing that John came preaching is the same thing that the church needs to be preaching, okay? And so tonight, I want to begin to talk to you, how do we deal with sin? How do we overcome sin? Now, through this series, yes, we've talked about things like, um, you know, at the end of every, every time together, we've talked about, now, here's how, and you can keep from walking in that sin. You know, your word I've hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. And so we talked about some of those principles, okay? But we need to know as believers, man, what is the one thing that cleanses us from our sins? And it's the grace of Jesus Christ. It's the blood of Jesus Christ. It's Him and Him alone, okay? And we need to understand repentance from a biblical standpoint so that not only can we experience it on a daily basis, but that we can help others walk in that, in that repentance. And so it's not I want to talk to you about that. How do we overcome sin. Proverbs 20 verse 9, uh, let me just kind of paraphrase it or kind of remember what it says exactly since I don't have it written down. But it says this, who, who can cleanse their own heart? Who can say, I, I've cleansed my own heart, that I've washed myself from sin? It's a question that's proposed. And obviously the answer is this, none of us. No one can say that I, I've cleansed my own heart. No one can say that they've cleansed themselves from their sin because we can't. 
Alright? If we could, then we don't need Jesus. If we could, we don't need God. If we could, we don't need this. Are you with me? Okay? And we need to get, we need to know how to get sin out. We need to know how to deal with sin. Why? Because James said it. Then sin, it might start off, you might not even notice it. It starts off just little. And it begins to grow. And the whole analogy there is it's like a, it's like a baby growing inside of you. Does anybody watch V? Show V? Okay. Oh, okay. I remember I watched the original one back in the 80s. And, uh, and so when the new one came out, I was just like, oh, I'm, I'm watching that. Okay? And it's, 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 it's not really that great of a show. You know? so the acting's not that great. It's just really not that good. But because I watched it a long time ago, I thought, you know. And so if you haven't seen it, you know, and you saw the woman that got pregnant from a V, which is just a really disgusting part. Yeah, from an alien. It's just a really disgusting part of the, of the whole story. But there's something growing inside of her, right? And the, the last, the final episode of the season was the birthing of this baby. And everyone's like, is it going to be cute? Is it going to be an alien? Is it going to be happening? They never showed the baby. They just saw this little tail come through the blanket and start going like this. Like, oh. <laughs> you know what? That, that's what happens in our lives. Not, not exactly that. We're not you know, aliens. Woo! What kind of church is this? Okay. This is really what sin is like. Man, it's growing inside of us. And sin, when it is full grown, it's got that little tail that comes out. All right, now you know, like, oh, that thing's ugly. Yeah, sin is ugly. Okay? And so James warns us, man, we've got to defeat it because it's growing inside of us. Now, I don't know if this is a true story or not, uh, but in one of my theology classes in college, uh, we ended up on this discussion of, of sin. And one of my professors said, you know what? Um, sin is like this. He shared this story with me. He said, you know, how, you know how an Eskimo kills a wolf? And I'm like, no, I have no idea. <laughs> never been an Eskimo. Never been there. Okay. Tell us, you know. And so this is how an Eskimo kills a wolf. And I'm just thinking, yeah, he's got a gun. He shoots it. You know? I um, mean, this is the old days. He said, what happens is, is that the Eskimo will take a, a knife and he will, he will dip it in some blood and he will freeze it. And then he'll dip it in some more blood and he'll freeze it. He'll dip it in some more blood and he'll freeze it and he'll dip it. And so there's like many layers of frozen blood. And then what he'll do is he'll stick the knife in the ground and then the blade will be sticking up. And then when the sun comes up and all of a sudden it begins to melt that blood, all of a sudden a wolf will smell the blood. Why? Because the wolf has a desire inside of him for flesh and wants to consume meat. And so he smells the blood, and now he begins to track that thing, and finally he finds it because this thing, this desire inside of him wants that. So he sees this, and, and he just sees the blood. He smells the blood, so he starts to lick the knife. And all of a sudden he goes through each layer of that blood on that knife until he gets down to the blade. But his tongue is now so numb from licking the cold blood that he doesn't realize that literally the knife has slashed open his tongue. And now he's bleeding profusely. And now because he begins to taste the real blood, now he begins to go to town on this thing. And literally he bleeds out and dies. Like, if there's any wolf lovers out there like, alien babies. That is what sin is like. Sin, there's that desire inside of you. All of a sudden it finds this thing and you just, oh, this is good. And, all right. And all of a sudden you begin to go after that thing. Here's what happens. Little did you know that you are literally destroying your life every time you engage in that activity. It's literally consuming you and it's taking you over. Ladies and gentlemen, we need to know because the Bible says, man, you can rule over it. We need to know how to rule over it. Sin. Repentance. It's a major theme in the Bible. Okay, we read several verses tonight, okay? And, and, and obviously the theme is, is repentance. But not just in the New Testament. 
I love reading the Old Testament because literally it's the prophets calling to the children of Israel. Hey, turn back. Turn around. Stop going that way. Okay? You see it throughout the whole. This is literally the whole entire Old Testament. Guys, wake up. Hello. Turn back. Come back. That theme continues on in the New Testament. Literally from, from Genesis to Revelation, the theme is this. God wants to restore. There's only one way restoration can come, and it comes through repentance. We see it throughout. We read it tonight that John the Baptist came preaching one thing. Repent. And here's what you need to understand about John's ministry. John's ministry, according to Luke 7, 28, John's ministry made him one of the favorites of Jesus. One of the most beloved. One of the most favored. Jesus literally calls him that. Man, there will be no one greater than John the Baptist. What made him so great? The fact that he preached a message of repentance. What makes churches great? A tall, good-looking pastor? I don't know if I'm good-looking. I just have to throw that in there for a moment. You go, okay, I know I'm tall. All right, that's, you can't argue that one. Okay. What, what, makes, what makes churches great? A great worship set? What makes churches great? A church without any technical issues? <laughs> no. What makes churches great is a church that preaches repentance. Is a church that declares, hey, repent, the kingdom of God's at hand. Now think about it. If this is what Jesus was declaring, if this is what John was declaring way back then, hey, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand, how much closer is it right now? How much more then should we be calling people to repentance? Should we be calling people, the apostles proclaimed it, they call people to repentance. This is the job of the church. This is the job of you and I as Christ followers. Okay? is to call people to repentance. Let's just look at this real quickly. How is sin dealt with? How do we overcome it? Okay? There's a process. Okay, Because without understanding this process, it, 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 repentance, and we're going to see this tonight, repentance means a lot of different things. But really, it should only be one thing. Okay? Here's the process. Here's how sin is dealt with. Here's how it's dealt with in the Bible. Here's how it needs to be dealt with. Number one, conviction. Conviction. The Bible says in John 16, 8, that the Holy Spirit's job is to convict the world of sin. This is not, this is not one of the messages that's been. Conviction. We've got to understand conviction. Okay? Now, if, if you understand conviction, you understand this. And, and a lot of, how many of you guys hate feeling guilty? <laughs> okay. The number one tool that the Holy Spirit uses in our life to bring conviction, whether you like it or not, is a thing called guilt. It's that feeling inside that you know you've done something wrong, and you don't want anybody else to know about it. Yeah? You know what I'm talking about, right? Some of you are like, yeah, that's me right now. <laughs> Finish up so I can go turn it all right. We've got to understand conviction because conviction is what the Holy Spirit brings so it begins to push us towards repentance, okay? Now, one of two things happens when we're convicted, okay? We either respond to that conviction appropriately and go to the throne of mercy and grace so that we can receive His grace once again and have it working in our lives, okay? And we respond, and that, that's a good response to have. Or the other thing that happens is, is you run from it because we hate feeling guilty, we want, to, we want to do something not to feel guilty. So we get a big gallon of ice cream, right? And sit around and watch movies and eat ice cream. Oh, no. That's what I do. Okay. You know? What do we do? We, we try to avoid everybody that might think what I'm doing is wrong to try to lessen the feeling of guilt. I've been there. I've done that. I'll be the first one in a minute. You don't have to raise your hand. I'll 
I'll raise your hand for you. Okay? We've all done it. Okay? I've done it. Okay? We don't want to be around those people. And here's the thing. They don't even have to say anything sometimes. Just seeing them, you're looking at them like, they know what I did. What is that? That's guilt. That's the Holy Spirit working inside of you. And so we'd rather remove ourselves from the, from the body that believers that God has put us in. We'd rather remove ourselves from that because when I'm there, I feel guilty. And then what we do is sometimes we do this. Well, man, they, man, they condemn me. They make me feel guilty. Now that's the job of the Holy Spirit. He's doing that. Stop pointing the finger. I remember one of the churches I was in, probably one of the greatest churches I've ever been a part of in Seattle, Washington, City Church. One of the greatest pastors I've ever sat under, Wendell Smith. Him and his wife were amazing. And, and Wendell, he's just a, a great visionary, a great pastor, a great preacher. I just love this church. Okay? And his wife would always be standing at the door greeting people when they came in and saying goodbye to people when they left. Okay? Now, I was in a season of my life where repentance needed to take place. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure I'm there daily, but... There was some stuff I really needed to know. And I just remember walking into the church, you know, and you know she's, you know, the pastor and she's the pastor's wife. And so you're walking in, you just don't want her to connect eyes with you. <laughs> See, you guys know what I'm talking about, right? And so you just, you kind of, you wait for somebody and you kind of walk behind them, right? And you kind of slide into church. And it's like, and like every week it becomes a challenge. How am I going to get into church without making eye contact, right? And there was this, there was this guilt, man. And she didn't know. I don't, I don't think she did. But man, just being around those people just made me like, you know, she could just forgive me, you know? I mean, it got to the point where there was nothing wrong in my life, but I still, before I went to church, I was like, God, search me right now. Before I walk up and see her, or just check me. Nothing? Okay, I'm good. I'm still walking nervous. Conviction. Conviction has to be working in our life. Conviction has to be working in our life because true repentance can only come through conviction. And it's the Holy Spirit's job. And He's working. Number two, confession. Confession. When you're convicted, okay, it's not just enough to recognize your sin. Some people like to call recognition repentance. Oh, yeah, I was really bad. I did something bad. Can you recognize it? You're agreeing with the Holy Spirit? Fantastic, okay? But recognition of a sin is not repentance. Just recognizing, oh, that's in my life. But see, can, we've got to understand this. Please hear me. We've got to understand this. Because in the Christian world, okay, in church, we've literally gotten to the place where just recognizing our sin, we call it repentance. That is not repentance. Just because I recognize something's there. Okay? We're going to see this tonight. That is not repentance, ladies and gentlemen. And too many people think that's repentance. The Bible says in Proverbs 30, verse 12, there is a generation that seems pure in its own eyes, but yet it has not been washed from its own filth. In other words, there's a generation that, man, we were pure. Why? Because we recognized. No, 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 no. That's not repentance. That's not, you've got to confess. Confess. What does the Bible say? The Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins to Him, He is faithful and just to... If, a little word, word with a really big meaning. If, yeah, if you confess, then he'll be faithful and just to forgive. Okay? Romans 10 says that we believe in our heart, but confession is made unto salvation. Do I need to switch mics so that just stops? I think it's Casadella. Just kidding, we're not one of those churches. 
Let's just all lay hands right now. Confession is made unto salvation. Okay? Other verses actually said this. Confess your sins. James 5. Confess your sins to one another so that you may be healed. Okay? That one's almost scarier than confess your sins to him. We don't like anybody knowing our stuff. Okay? Now listen, this is, this is my thought on this. Hear my heart. You don't know. You don't have to go running to somebody every time you sin. My daughters are learning this principle right now. It's so funny. Like, Carl will come around, Daddy, I have that thought. Like, 12 times a day, I'm like, baby, look, okay, just take it captive in Jesus' name, all right? She's seven, you know? And she's obviously in the pastor's house, you know? She's like, Daddy. I wonder if she feels like that every time she walks in the house, like I felt when I was walking by the pastor's wife. That would be horrible, wouldn't it? She walks in, no, you know? And so I'm teaching her that, baby, look, you don't have to do that every single time. Just, you know, ask Jesus to forgive you, okay? And honestly, that's all we have to do. When God is dealing with your stuff privately, just confess it to him. Get rid of it. Get it taken care of. But know this, the Bible says, be sure your sin will find you out. Now understand that scripture. That does not mean that I sinned five years ago and I've asked Jesus to forgive me. I don't have to walk around in fear thinking, oh my gosh, is someone going to find my sin out? No, because it's no longer there. He blotted your sin out. It's gone. The verse is there to tell you this, that if you continue in sin, be sure your sin will find you out. You with me tonight? So you don't need to walk around in fear, okay? You just got to walk around free in Jesus' name, okay? But I believe that scripture says this, James, confess your sins to one another because sometimes there are there's stuff in our life that man, we can't overcome on our own. We need an accountability partner. We need someone that's going to help us out. Okay? And so this is what I'm struggling with. Can you just kind of keep an eye on me? Make sure I don't go down that road again. That's what's so great about a community of believers, man, is that we can help each other out and, and walk Christ's life. Okay? Conviction, the Holy Spirit. Confession. We confess it to Him. Three, repentance. Repentance. Now, I just want to I'll sort of briefly tell you what repentance is not and then tell you what repentance is. Okay? Because this is the process that is working on that. Conviction comes. I did something really bad. Too often we stop right there and we walk around just knowing we did something bad. But then we confess. And it's in that confession now where the process of repentance should be taking place. What repentance is not, okay? And I'll explain this as we go, okay? Repentance is not a, we need to understand this because of Proverbs 30, verse 12. Now you can think you're pure, but are you, are you really? Repentance is not a religious repentance. Okay, let, let, me, let me describe what I mean by that. What is religious repentance? Religious repentance actually kind of goes back to the whole point that we recognize it, okay? But then we quickly begin to justify it. We say things like this. You know, we, we start getting, well, I mean, at least it's not as bad as what so-and-so is doing. Not the one that's been there before. I mean, think about it. We get convicted of something, and you're like, oh, man, but, oh, it's not as bad as what so-and-so is doing. And you can think of those people in your mind, right? Uh, religious repentance is this. It's blame shifting. Go back to Genesis. Adam and Eve. And the poor little serpent, right? Adam just is like, dude, God, it's the, it's the woman you gave me. She made me do it. Okay? Look, my sin is there, but it's not as bad as Eve's sin. Okay? Are you with me? And then Eve is like, hold on a second. God, it is not my fault. Snake made me do it. I was just, I wanted to keep reading on and see who the snake was going to blame. Okay? 
but he didn't. Religious repentance is, is always blank shifting, pointing the finger. It's like, yeah, you know, sure, I, you know, my, I got sin, but my sin is not as bad as your sin. And so therefore I can go on living. That, 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 is, not, that is not repentance, but that is what a lot of people try to do. Okay. Or they'll think of something that happened. Well, yeah, I mean, I used to get this when I was a youth pastor all the time. God help me. Well, I mean, like when you challenge a young person, forget youth pastoring. It happens today, still, okay? When somebody comes and I feel like, well, hey, is this going on in your life? Oh, yeah. When we begin to talk about it, they'll be like, well, I mean, you did X, Y, and Z. I remember you were preaching. You shared a story from your life that you did X, Y, and Z. And, I mean, you, you turned out okay. Yeah, people have jumped off cliffs and lived. That doesn't mean we should all go jump off cliffs. Right? I mean, people have jumped out and their parachutes haven't opened. Let's just all go jump out of planes with no parachutes. Okay? That is the dumbest argument on the face of the planet. But I get that all the time. Well, I mean, it, you, it worked out okay for you. Yeah, but here's the thing. is, Yes, it did. Due to the grace of God. But you don't know the hell I went through for it to work out okay. I know the hell I went through. So trust me. Don't do it. <laughs> don't walk. What is it? That's religious repentance. That's the point. Well, you, you, I, I'll talk about that. Like you, you might, you might not. Repentance is not be, being sorry. Being sorry. Oh, I'm so, so sorry. Okay, being sorry. Here's, here's the thing is that we, 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 we come up with this thing, sorry. And I teach my kids, you know, don't tell me you're sorry. Ask for forgiveness. Ask God for forgiveness. Being sorry isn't enough. Okay, we're going to get to worldly sorrow in a minute. Let me just talk to us tonight. Sorry. Okay? No, Sorry. Someone exposes something or something gets exposed in your life and you're like, oh, I guess that was pretty bad. I'm sorry. I, 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 feel, I feel bad. Yeah, you feel bad because you want bad. Okay? Let's just get real, right? The reason you feel bad is because you're bad. You don't feel bad, right? I mean, if you're good, you don't feel bad. We just be plain and honest here tonight. The reason you feel bad is because you're bad. If you feel horrible, then you're horrible. Okay? Let's just be honest, right? Okay? You know? But well, uh, I, I'm sorry. And here's what we here's kind of the box we put in God in. Okay, we have this twisted thought that if I do this, then God has to do this for me. Okay, God first of all doesn't have to do anything, anyways. Okay, that's why it's called grace. Okay, but we we kind of got this thought, and, and, and you'll see it. Just just kind of just keep tabs, all right, on yourself. We have this thought that if I do this, then God has to do this for me. I'm sorry, God. And so then God has to do this for me. Okay? Maybe you're not seeing it. Just, just trust me. Just write this thought down. And as you live life, just, just, also God will remind you of this message. Oh, I'm doing it right now. Okay? You, you, make, you make money in a way that maybe uh, isn't legal. Not any of you, but somebody, right? And all of a sudden they, they get caught and they go, I'm sorry. Yeah, that, that's bad. I'm sorry. And you say you're sorry to God because if you say you're sorry to God, then God will prosper you. I'm sorry, God. Now he has to prosper me because I said I'm sorry. Okay? You, you, you know, you, you do something else, you know, you went and whatever, you did something dumb, you know, and you're like, I'm sorry, God, then God has to fix this, right? God has to fix, you know what I'm talking about, right? God has to fix that now. I'm sorry, so God has to fix it, right? You, you begin a relationship with somebody that you know you shouldn't be in a relationship with. Maybe it's an unsafe person. And you say, God, I'm sorry, because then God will make them a Christian. Are you, are you with me tonight? Okay. 
That, that's not repentance. Okay? Uh, repentance in uh, B or C is repentance is not uh, worldly sorrow. I'll just breeze through this one. What's worldly sorrow? Worldly sorrow is I got caught. So now I'm sorry. Okay? Just talk to Tiger Woods about that. Okay? <laughs> right? I mean, he was fine up until the day he ran into a tree. <laughs> now, be sure, your sin will find you out. Oh, got this sense of humor. <laughs> you know, there's a tree right there. You know, there's a tree, wasn't it? Yeah. Awesome tree. He, you know, so now everything starts coming out. So, oh, yeah, I'm so sorry. Okay? I'm sorry. Well, you're sorry you got caught is what you're sorry about. You know? And then it, it just gets as well. Which leads me to the last one. That, that, that repentance is not penance or acts. Penance or acts. Okay? Repentance is not I got caught, so now I need to check myself into a rehab. Because if I do this rehab then I'll be good, and I'll show everybody I'm good because I'll donate X amount of money to this good charity so everybody can see I've changed. You understand? This is, this is like, this is like a, a pagan Catholicism theory, really. Because in Catholicism, you, you go and you confess, okay, go say ten Hail Marys and whatever it is they do, okay? And then your sins will be forgiven. What is it? That's a penance. That's an act of repentance, okay? But then it goes even further. If you do this, then, then this. And if you do this, then it just acts. Okay? Our culture has literally bought into this. I mean, just the latest example I just gave you. In fact, our culture has bought into this. That, man, I'm really bad. This is going on in my life. I'll check myself into this. And this will you know, make me better. And I'll show everybody that I'm better. Because then I'll, I'll give lots of money away to this charity. And then everything will be okay. Are you with me tonight? That, that's, that's, that's not repentance, okay? What is repentance? Repentance, and let me just give you, they're going to be up here. I, I, I'm not, you know, I put some Greek words in here to make it look like I'm really smart. But then, then you'll see how smart I'm not when I try to say them. So I kind of shoot myself in the foot, right? Repentance. This first one. Mentem noeo. So you guys should just not say anything. You've got to think, wow, he says something. What's this first one? Repentance. To think differently afterwards. Okay? 105 times the word repentance is used in the Bible. Okay? We're just taking it from the New Testament right here to think differently afterwards. Repentance. My thought pattern changes. The next one here. To care afterwards to regret. That there's literally feelings of remorse happening in my life. I, 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 I really regret the decision. It's not just like I caught, I'm sorry, or it's not just like I'll say I'm sorry so God will do this for me. I actually really do. Something's working inside me. The next one, compunction for guilt, including reformation, reversal of another's decision. Okay? Now if we put them all together, here's what we get. True repentance involves a change of mind, thinking differently, reconsidering, caring afterwards, regret, and a reversal of a decision. The root meaning is, to ch is a change of mind, heart, attitude, and is applied uh, particularly to sin in one's relationship with God. Repentance is complete turnabout. It is a change of direction from going away from God and coming towards God. This is a change. It's a complete turnaround. I was going this way, now I'm going this way. It involves literally a change of your intellect, 
I, there's an intellectual element. I realize it was wrong. There's an emotional element. I actually feel remorse about what I've done. And then there's the, uh, the volitional part, the will part, where you know what? I, I, I not only see that it was wrong, I not only felt remorse, but you know what? I've got to change my life. I've got to turn around. I'm not going to allow this to happen. And so now your will gets involved, and you begin to make a turn with the grace of God. And this is repentance. Okay? This is repentance. There was a, two guys hanging out. One of them was, uh, he, he sold soap. Okay? And the soap guy was hanging out with the pastor. And there were guys out with lunch, and they were walking around. And, and the soap guy looks at the pastor, he's looking around and seeing all the crime. And they're talking about, you know what, they read the newspaper. Man, the crime rates are up. And this is happening, and that's happening. And man, and all of a sudden the soap guy turns to the pastor and says, it doesn't look like the message of repentance is working very well. They just kept walking past him and saying that. As they're walking, all of a sudden, they look around and there's kids playing in the dirt and there's homeless people that are just tattered and just real dirty and, and whatnot. And all of a sudden, the preacher looks at the soap guy and says, it doesn't look like your soap is working real well. And the guy was like, well, I mean, come on, they have to apply the soap to their life in order to get clean. And the pastor said, exactly. They have to apply repentance in their life in order for there to be any effect. Repentance, ladies and gentlemen, is not just we sit around and something happens. Repentance involves God. It involves you. It involves the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And as he begins to put his finger on stuff in us, guess what? We have to choose to change. Are you with me tonight? Repentance. Repentance. And, and let me just say this, because I, I believe this all my heart, that when true repentance takes place by the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ, when that true repentance takes place, your sins, according to Acts, are blotted out. That means they're no longer there. That means it no longer happened. So when someone else comes back around and tries to remind you of those sins, or when the enemy comes around and begins to whisper in your ear, guess what? They are nothing more than mere accusations. Why? Because true repentance has taken place. And anybody, anyone, or anything that tries to come around and remind you of those things, it's just mere accusation. It holds no ground because it's under the blood of Jesus Christ. There's got to be conviction. There's got to be confession. There's got to be repentance. Number four, there's got to be restitution. And we don't have time to go there, but you can just write these down. Luke 19, 8, and Numbers 5, 5 through 8. Restitution. If you have sinned, and repentance is true, what does Matthew 3 say? It says, bear fruit worthy of repentance. See, true repentance will be seen because now there's fruit coming out of your life. And that fruit literally begins to involve restitution. If you've sinned against somebody, man, you've got to make it right. If you've sinned against God, there is actually a restitution taking place in the process of repentance. Restitution, man, it's a part of the process. Number five, reconciliation. 2 Corinthians 5.18. Such a great verse. And talk about old things are passed away. Well, all things have become new. But it says this, that, that we are ambassadors uh, of Jesus. And we are pleading with people, be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to God. Come back into relationship. When true repentance takes place, the number one relationship that's reconciled is the one between you and God. But listen to me. When repentance truly takes place, the relationship with others is reconciled as well. Bible says that bear fruit. Listen to me. Because you know what? No one sees, really, other than the fruit that's in your life, no one sees God coming and you coming, you know, like, you see the two 
people running on the beach like that seen each other in a long time. The music plays, the arms open up, here's God, you know, that'd be really cool, okay? But no one's gonna see that. What people see is when they see a relationship being reconciled. They see a, a person being reconciled back into the community. A mom and a dad, a, a brother and sister, a, a father and a, and a son, a, a friend, a, are you with me? So what's the whole point of, this, of these five things? It's this. It's restoration. Restoration. These five things are working in our life. It gets back to one thing. Restoration. I'm restored. I'm restored. And now the life flow of God can continue to come into me. And the life flow of God can continue to go out of me. Listen to me. There is nothing. I mean, and this is just honestly. Hear my heart tonight. Nothing devastates me more than to see people making bad decisions. Because I know from reading the Bible, and I know from experience, what happens when bad decisions are made. And my heart, listen to it, the heart of the church is never to bring judgment. The heart of the church is always to bring restoration. But in order for restoration to take place, the Holy Spirit has to bring conviction. Because true conviction by the Holy Spirit brings repentance, which brings all those other things, which eventually brings restoration. And so listen to me, hear my heart tonight. Man, I am literally, uh, when I see people making bad decisions, they're going the wrong way. I'm, I'm the kind of guy that likes to fix things. Anybody else out there like to fix things? Is there any fixers out there? Thank you for being honest. Okay. I like to fix things. If I see something out of place, you can ask. Some people think I'm like obsessive compulsive, all right? Like the dude's got issues. If I see something out of place, I'm like, like in here with a ruler, like straightening out the chairs, you know? Or, you know, if, this, if you ever see like the little, the little curtain, like doing something weird, I'll just be like, ah. Okay, and I've got to get up there and fix it, all right? I'm just, it's just the way I am. I'm like looking around right now, like the curtain's a little bit, you know? Okay, that way, you know? And, so like just, just like all the technical issues tonight, I was just like, why? Because I'm a fixer. Hear my heart. And some of you know because you you've been around me, and you know how to get into your life, right? It's not because I, I, it's not because I'm, I'm like you know I want control. It's because I. I just got this heart that just man, hates to see people hurting, hates to see people making bad decisions. I know I'm not the Holy Spirit, and I know I'm not God. Cut me some slack, would you? I just want to see you succeed. I just want to see you become the best of what God has for you. I just want to see man, that life flow coming into you and the life flow going out of you. And I believe as we walk according to true repentance, what did it say in Acts tonight? Repent so that times of refreshing can come upon you by the presence of the Lord. And so that restoration could take place in your life. All true repentance leads one direction to restoration. If restoration is not taking place, we need to go back a couple steps. And we need to examine our hearts and examine our lives and examine what's taking place. Because I guarantee you, because God never lies. I guarantee you that we'll find areas that he's putting his finger on. And if we would just allow the process of repentance and, and, and say yes to it and allow it to work in our lives, I'm telling you right now, the refreshing flow of the presence of God would come. God, we thank you for your word tonight. God, we thank you that your word is living and active and sharp, living to it and so on. Lord, I pray that as we conclude tonight, 
God, once again, it is not my heart for people to feel beat up. God, it is not my heart for people to feel condemned. But God, it is my heart tonight for people to have a sense of guilt if they're sinning their life. God, that literally right now, that you would put your finger on areas in my life, put your finger on areas in their life. As your eyes are closed, I want you to hear something tonight. I shared this with you last week. I've had seven days for this message to work in my heart. Sometimes it's on the sixth day where finally I'm like, oh God, forgive me. I got some stuff in my life. So I don't expect anyone in a 30-minute message to be like, oh, dude, I'm right now. Yes, there are some major sins in my life. Can it happen? Yes. But I guarantee you this as you leave this place tonight, you continue to meditate on the message, meditate on the word of God. If you allow the Holy Spirit to continue to operate in your life, listen to me, there's nothing worse. Hear my heart tonight. When people start to run. And ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know something. The running doesn't start in just closing your Bible and saying, I'm never going to read it. The running doesn't start just saying, I'm going to stop listening to the Holy Spirit today. The running starts when you begin to cut people that care about you away from you. And as you begin to do that, I feel it with all my heart. As you begin to do that, what's happening is you're taking one step further away. And then pretty soon, man, the Bible isn't opening anymore. Oh, but you have enough in you. Well, I can, I'll get myself to church. I'm, I'm not going to stop going to church. Three weeks later, you missed a Sunday or a service or a community group or a Bible study. A month later, you haven't been four weeks. Listen to me. This is the process. I read this verse in our community group. It hit me. It hasn't left me. First Timothy chapter 5. I can't remember the exact verses, like verse 20 or 24. It says this, and some have strayed into the devil, into Satan. That's what it says. Some have strayed. That verse showed me one thing, is that you're never just straying away from God, but you're actually straying into something else. Some people think, well, yeah, I strayed from God. No, you didn't just stray from God. You strayed from God, but you strayed right into something else. Ladies and gentlemen, that's a scary place to be. And I don't know about you, but I am allowing even more of the Holy Spirit to just work in my life. And I want to know if you would do the same tonight.